Yeah, I can definitely say something. Is See it if it's working okay. It's following your voice. Volume levels. And mine as well. Yeah, it's it's a good recorder, so yeah. we don't need to worry about okay. it anymore. Awesome. That's All great. Right. <laughs>But when we talk about Australia, I'm going to suggest we also talk about the Pacific. So we have Australia in the west, and we have Tahiti in the east, uh-huh. and all of the islands in between, and this is our region. Uh, okay. We have a, our, our charter, um, I guess, area is all of that location, the same way that in the northern hemisphere we have between um, the Mediterranean and the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, so our Similar territory is from Australia in the west, Tahiti in the east, Papua New Guinea and Indonesia in the north, um, and it's a it's a great spot. Okay, yeah. so that, that's that's a vast area. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. if we do, if we just for a moment zoom in on the event where we are, yeah. and actually even on the boat where we're sitting right mm-hmm. now, we're sitting in a beautiful saloon, I would say. Or we are. Called? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Silent <laughs> World. Silent World. Yeah. Silent World is a, a boat that the owner bought in the middle of 2015. Uh-huh. He had a previous boat, which was at Christensen, and this boat was built by a company in Spain called Oasive. Okay. And he wanted a boat that he could both enjoy as far as luxury goes, but also have the range so that he can go to places like Fiji and Tahiti, um, Pitcairn Island, um, where the mutiny on the bounty, where the boat was sunk. Um, oh. So all of those locations. So he wanted to be able to have a boat that would has the capacity to explore, but also have the luxury of being able to take his clients and guests, and also for charter as well. We yeah. get a lot of guests that come in, and a lot of groups are coming in to do bring their families together. So they might be dispersed, mm-hmm. they've made some money, and they want to bring the family together. And this is the perfect spot for it. So right now we're sitting in, in the Sky Lounge on Silent World, um, which is extremely luxurious. And people love to be able to have this as their platform to explore the Pacific. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they do. <laughs> and how long have you been master here? I've been with the family that I work for now for uh-huh. nine years. Okay. And this is their second boat since I've been working with them. But I first went to sea in 1976, so I've been doing it for a little while. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But for me, it's it's um, it's a real passion to be able to have a combination of the sea, which I've been with my whole life, and five-star luxury, and then to be able to provide an experience for families or individuals. Um, this is my job. 
So if you had, if, if anyone said, have you got a calling in life? Yes. This is my calling. <laughs> it was going to be one of the questions. <laughs> what makes you really happy? But that's I, I, lo I love being able to provide that. We, um, I worked on a um, in-between boats. We had a, um, we had a, a um, I had a position on a boat called, oh, sorry, on a boat, on a, a resort called Hayman Island, which is a five-star resort in Australia. And that was one of the times when I realised that a combination of the boating industry and the five-star resort, which is virtually what we have on water, we have a five-star resort on water, um, that's my calling, that's my job. I went, this is where I belong. So you're exactly at the right spot. I'm exactly at the right <laughs> spot. <laughs> and you're also at, at Gold Coast City Marina at the moment. Mm -hmm. We can hear a little bit of noise of uh, people walking by. Today is the Yacht Hub. Yes. Yep. And uh, can you tell me why you and, and, and the owner also chose to be here? One of the... Um, Australia is a, a for the super yacht industry. Australia is, a, is like a budding industry where we aren't quite as old as, as Europe as far as the the industry goes. So for us, it's just starting to emerge, and the clients that we have in Australia have the capacity to be able to charter boats in in the Pacific, but they're not quite in the um, right mindset for that. So the idea of this Gold Coast City Marina have been brilliant in being able to put this together and bring the yachts which are for charter, mm -hmm. um, um, bring them here, be able to showcase the yachts, um, show what people, show the people what, um, what we have to offer and, and talk about the locations that we visit. So yeah. they think about their, their holiday and they go, okay, I want to bring the family together. What can I do? Um, then we can show them depending on what sort of price point that they want to um, charter. Um, we can show them what we've got to offer and, and be able to talk to them. And it's okay. also about the people as well. So when you have a look at a brochure, you can get a look at the yacht and you get a little bit of a feel for maybe what it's like. But when you step on board, it's a totally different atmosphere and you get to meet the people that are going to provide you with the experience while you're on board. Yeah. And yeah. the experience um, that people have 80-90% of that is the crew. The crew are our biggest asset and, um, and being able to showcase that as well as the boat is a big part for us. Okay, so, so what, what do you do today and tonight to showcase the crew or in sure. the, and their service level? So what we're doing at the moment is that it's, it's, um, it's about meeting the people. So the crew, all of the crew are doing, um, when people come on board, they're doing tours of the boat. They talk about what we do, um, where people can go, the types of um, service that they've got. Some of the rooms are made up for what we call turndown. So it's when they're sleeping, so there's a room made up for that. There's another room that's made up with um, um, children's toys because we do have families on board. Yeah. So being able to showcase that sort of thing. And so when people walk around, we've got one of the tables that are set up for dinner. Um, so it provides a level of talking point about um, the level of service and yeah. being able to interact with the crew. Um, ask them gives questions. Ask them yeah. questions and give them a really good sense of how we're going to look after them. Yeah. And that's yeah. important. So, so yeah, just, just for me to think, I always think Australia has a mature yachting mm -hmm. industry. Yep. 
but you say the super yacht segment that that is super yacht segment is super yacht said. segment yeah. is quite young yeah. and um, but we are getting a lot more clients from um, from Europe and, and the US. Um, some of our predominant areas that we that we charter in, um, whether it's Sydney Harbour or the Whit Sundays or Cairns and the Great Barrier Reef, and then going around onto the top end, around into the Kimberleys and Darwin, um, are really unique areas for people to visit. So it's um, that's the Australian part. But we also talk about the Pacific because the same way that when we talk about the Mediterranean, we don't just talk about France or um, Spain or um, one particular location. We talk about the Mediterranean as being a destination. So for us, the Pacific is that destination and it's Australia and Fiji and Tahiti um, and all of them have unique experiences that people can enjoy. So yeah. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so people visiting uh, today at the Yacht Hub, are they generally people that have never been on a super yacht or even never on a yacht or how, how is that? I think it's a mix. So there, there's definitely all of the people that come here today is all by invitation only. Mm -hmm. um, so they all have a capacity to be able to, to charter the boat. Yeah. And then it's a case of um, just talking. A lot of them have um, possibly chartered boats in the Mediterranean because it's always one of those things people like to maybe go abroad as opposed to staying in their um, in their backyard because it's it's unique and, and those sorts of things yeah but we're finding that the um, local community now has a bit more of an appetite for our backyard which is all of those locations that I mentioned before. It was beautiful. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I can imagine that, that, that I'm based in, in Phuket, Thailand. Mm -hmm. Um, we often have the challenge, uh, like with, with Asian people, they don't have a background in yachting, they didn't grow up with water sports, yep. but here you do, so it's a huge potential. Huge potential. So Australia has um, a, everyone, well, most people grow up near the water, so they have some sort of yeah. either boating experience or, or the ocean, and we have a real affinity for it. Um, but the other thing that we do when you mention about the, the different, uh, I guess, nationalities and cultures, with the Pacific, all of the island nations are all about the water. So when we go to Fiji, I mean, they live on the water and it's part of their, their do, existence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we go to each location, so we have a, a prime, a core crew of five. And then when we go to each location, when we're on charter, we have eight crew. So we employ three crew from the local Fantastic. Um, area. Yeah. And for, for me, when I think about all of the places that I've visited, the experiences that I have and the memories that I, that I retain, it's about food, culture and the people that, that provide that. So us being able to provide a, instead of just, I'm going to say that's the reason why I talk about the Pacific as opposed to Australia. So when we go to Fiji, you've got local people who can share their culture with you and their experiences. and. Um, and that's a big part of um, a person's experience when they come onto a yacht and, and go to those locations. So when we go to Fiji, when we go to Tahiti. So we'll be in Tahiti in the middle of June and we have um, uh, three local people from the Tahiti that we've, we've um, had on the boat previously that have yeah. helped us out. And they provide a level of cultural experience for the guests that we can't deliver as just 
want to say just crew, but yeah. Australian crew as opposed That's to that location. That's a very interesting concept because as as a, as a captain, it doesn't necessarily make your life easier, but it makes it more interesting. It makes it more interesting, but it's also about the um, as a as a manager providing experience. Um, yes, we've got to do extra training and, and those sorts of things because yep. we have got different um, different crew that come on board. Um, but it provides a level of experience for the guests yes. that we wouldn't normally have if it was just yeah. the eight crew that we employed from um, Australia or the US or wherever it is. So is that specific something you do or you, you find other captains doing similar? Um, I don't know of any other captains that do it. There probably are. I haven't heard. So but but for me, it's a really important factor. It's yeah. a um, it's a when we talk about being on a, on a boat on a super yacht, um, we don't talk about going on a trip. We talk about the guests having an experience, and it's that's part of it. The crew are a big part of of what we provide um, them as far as whether it's service, culture, the activities that we do on board. We've done it where we've had guests that have come on board that um, that learn Tahitian dancing from one of the crew members, or they go into. Um, we talk about the local food, and one of the big dishes in Tahiti is poisson crew, yeah. which is cured fish um, with coconut milk and lime juice, and I mean all of those things add to the memories that people have when they yeah. come on board. Yeah, yeah. I can relate to it I, when I was in. Uh, a few years ago, I was working as a charter skipper in Thailand and Burma, Myanmar. Uh -huh. And in Myanmar, you get a compulsory guide yep. on board, but it's actually an asset. Yeah, it's so nice to have somebody yeah. from a local culture. No, and, it's true. And people, young people who want to learn and interact with uh, yeah. with foreigners. Yeah, yeah. And we'll have it um, when we go to Fiji. We have so we have the local crew, and we'll when we every time that we go and visit a area, we have to go and respect the the local landowners. And so we'll go to the village and we'll present the kava, and that's a ceremony in itself. Yeah. And being able to have a a local person be able to share that experience and be able to explain the what's happening because yeah. it's all in Fijian as well. Yeah. Um, when we do that, it's important to be able to relay that information and get a sense of the the feeling and the meaning behind all of that. Um, yeah. I guess culture and what we do is that we present the kava and they accept us into the village. So that means then we can go and enjoy the water and the land activities, and we're part of the community. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's interesting, because other yachts maybe take, they, they will take cards, local yep. cards for mm -hmm. sure, but you make sure they're part of the, the They're team. part of the crew, part and, the crew. And, yeah. and even for Tahiti, we, um, when we, if we do scuba diving, in Tahiti it's compulsory to have a, a local um, a scuba instructor. Mm -hmm. um, but we make sure that instead of just hiring a, a local scuba instructor, they're part of the crew. So they become part of the deck crew and they partake in the activities of the paddle boards and the sea bobs and the scuba jets, yeah. um, stand up paddle boards, all of yeah. those things, they become part of the crew and part of the experience for the guests. Um, it's, yeah. a, it's a big part for us. Nice, yeah. nice. <laughs> and uh, so you, you do travel around with, with this boat. Mm -hmm. And you told me you've won a 
award recently and you're also nominated for an award that's we are. going to be announced tomorrow. Yes, so we're, we're really excited. And again, it's about the experience. So last year, um, the Australian Superyacht Marine Export Group um, had their inaugural Voyage of the Year Award and we were the recipients of that and it was for an expedition that we do or that we did out to a place called Ken Reef which is out off the Barrier Reef and we went in search of shipwrecks from the 17 and 1800s. It's a passion for the owner of the boat and there was two shipwrecks that had been identified previously on a different expedition by another boat, not a super yacht but another boat and there was another eight that were reported to have been lost in that area. So we went there and we go in search of these wrecks and we use underwater metal detectors and magnetometers and we go in conjunction with the Australian Maritime Museum and the Marine Park Authority. And on this particular um, expedition um, that lasted for a couple of weeks, we went out there and we found the two that had been previously identified and we found another seven. Seven. So you, and, but, when we think about that concept and about that experience, so you have <coughs> these shipwrecks, um, although we don't see much of the ship itself because they were all timber, but you've got shipwrecks that had been um, lost in the 17 and 1800s. And up until two years ago, may not have been seen. So we went there and found things like the ship's bell and anchor chain and everything else. To think about that we could have been the first people to see those particular artifacts since it was sunk yeah. back in the 1700s and, and the excitement of the people about that and, and reliving what they did. So the shipwreck... We Where were the boats from? What, what kind of boats were um, they? They were from Europe. A lot of them were trading vessels. So in that period there was a lot of um, vessels that went from um, Sydney and Hobart up to Jakarta. Um, and Indonesia, so it was like the, the trade route at that particular could point. You, could you see which country they were from? Or? Um, some of them were for Den from Denmark um, and um, some of them were Spanish. Okay. So there's, there's a, there is a mix, um, yeah. but it, one of the things that a lot of those areas weren't charted in those days. So part of the experience of trying to locate the, um, the shipwrecks is going over the old manuscripts, the reports that were handed in afterwards and try and retrace and think like the captain at that particular time and work out maybe where he went, and how, they how, navigate. how they navigated, maybe where they finished up on the reef. Um, extraordinary experiences. Um, so it's, it's really, um, I was, I guess growing up, I, I wasn't really interested in history, but as I've progressed um, through what I've done with the owner and, and this particular vessel um, has been quite unique and to think back to what they were um, yeah. what the captain was thinking at that time is, is quite an experience. So did the museums and experts to go with you yeah. or how did, how did you yeah, organize so we're still apt we're, we're still based as a super yacht so we still carry 12 guests total um, so we've got the owner and his family would come and then we have archaeologists from the Maritime Museum and archaeologists from the Marine Park Authority that would come with us to help understand maybe if we do find something, um, being able to identify what it is to start with but then also because of its shape, size, 
um, any identifying marks, be able to try and trace that back to some of the vessels that had sunk during that period or had yeah. been reported yeah. to be sunk yeah. during that period. So I can sort of picture the atmosphere on board when Ecstatic. the results Ecstatic. <laughs> <laughs> you popped a few bottles, didn't you? <laughs> oh, it's true, because you have this experience of these are archaeologists that have been studying marine archaeology for 20, 30 years. Yeah. This was the first time that all of them, none of them, had previously found a ship's bell underwater, okay. as in the first time. So you've got sort of seven or eight archaeologists that have come on board and, and we go down and, and you can, they're diving um, looking for these shipwrecks and they find, a, um, they find a bell, you can hear them from underwater. <laughs> they're screaming. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the, was the owner with them? He was, yeah. Yeah, and so, but we improvise. We've got a super yacht. It's not necessarily built for being able to bring artifacts. Typically, most of the artifacts we leave there because it's part of preserving the history. Yeah. Um, but the marine archaeologist said there's a bell there. There is no way that if that's reported that it's there, it will. It, it will, will stay be, there. It, it will be stolen. Or yes. so, um, we brought it back on board. Um, we put it in the jacuzzi up on the top deck and we filled it with water so it could yeah. preserve it. Yeah. So it got a, a nice return home with um, um, being wrapped up in the jacuzzi on, <laughs> on the trip back. <laughs> so no one was allowed to use the jacuzzi. No one was allowed to use the jacuzzi on the way back. <laughs> or they had to share it with a bell. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And the, the uh, award that you're nominated for tomorrow, that is the, the International Voyages mm. So we. Um, why, why were you nominated? So what we did was that um, the the beginning of last year and the just prior to that, at the year before, we did an expedition out to a reef out off the Cape York, up off um, just south of Papua New Guinea, mm -hmm. and it was to some extent there was a, a report of a shipwreck that was found um, in the late 1800s um, of a um, a ship that went down and it had gold on board. So um, what happened was that this pearl lugger had gone out to this reef, was looking for um, beach de mer, they were fishing for that as well, and they finished up on the inside the lagoon, they got stuck a little bit, and when they got stuck, they found an anchor. Well, underneath the anchor was these gold coins, so they came back, the owner of the, the pearl lugger and the beach de mer vessel um, was based on Cape York. They came back and they talked about this shipwreck that they'd found. Now, if I'm the captain on a pearl lugger and a beach de mer vessel and I find a gold and there might be more there, yeah. I'm not going to tell you where it is. So there was reports of where it was, but then it was not a case of being able to try and find out. So we did a trip um, in search of that. We, we weren't so much looking for the gold, but the history and the, and the piecing of the story. So we went back. We did find what we think was the wreck. Um, we also went to some places like Allred Island, um, which is up off Cape York, and we came back to the homestead of the gentleman who owned the beach de mer vessel that went out and found the wreck. So it was a bit like, a, it was a really like a story. So we went out, we looked for the wreck, we found the wreck, um, we came back through the Cape, um, through to some of the islands where the survivors finished up landing okay. um, after the, the wreck was found and came back to also the homestead of the gentleman that um, 
that owned the beached air vessel. And how um, did he react? Well, again, I mean, he was amazing, but the, I mean, the, the homestead is now gone. There's remnants of it and that sort of stuff. But it was more about retracing some of the steps, like where the beach to mare vessel went, when they came back, where they beached the, yes. um, the boat, where they did repairs to oh, it, okay. yeah. all of those sorts of things, which was a, a really unique thing. So we presented that to Boat International and there is three finalists for the Voyage of the Year for Boat International, which is being announced our time early tomorrow morning. Yeah. Um, but it's also about the, there's two of the vessels um, that are nom two of the three vessels that are nominated for that award are ourselves, Silent World, and yeah. Beluga, which is three boats down. It's um, also here at the rendezvous. It's also here at the rendezvous. <laughs> so we're bringing the trophy back to Australia, hopefully. Um, is it also an Australian voyage? Um, it's also an Australian voyage. Okay. Yeah. So the, um, there are some unique places here. The other thing is that um, there is also another conference uh, next week, which is the Australian Superyacht Marine Export Group, which is the Asmax. award yes. we won last year. Oh. And we've also put in a submission for that award. So we'll see if it's a double entry That's and see how we go for this week. This week, there could be a lot of champagne flowing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be there next week. So. <laughs> Which will be great. Yeah. But we, the, um, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to, to do all of those things. And um, so we have an itinerary that, that goes to some amazing places in the Pacific. And it's, it's really unique. Um, We've won some awards, but for me, it's also about <coughs> pardon me the um, the people that have been on the boat, commercially chartering the vessel, still stay in contact, enjoy what they do, and they're going. Okay, we want to come back next year. Where are you going to be? Are you going to be in Fiji or Tahiti or um, let's go there? Yeah, we know what you're going to be able to do. Um, let's get a unique experience in a different location. So it's nice. Okay. Yeah. So if people want to charter the boat, mm -hmm. uh, so how can they who can they contact? So the um, all of the all of the yachts that are here all have central agents. So our central agent is Ocean Alliance, um, which are based in Australia. There's also other companies here, which is Fraser Yachts. Um, but typically, the if someone wants to charter a boat, they will always typically go to a charter broker. Yeah. It's their it's their main source. All of the charter brokers that we have here are all um, um, MEBA registered, so they're, um, they're on a central database. So if someone wants to go and charter a particular vessel, they can go to the people that they trust. They have obviously um, been on, quite likely on other um, charters previously, and they would have had an agent that they used, a charter broker that they used to do that charter. And they place their trust in that broker to be able to provide them with a charter that they know yeah. is going to provide the level of service and the experience that yeah, they so enjoy. For, yeah, for yeah. people outside Australia, mm. they, they, they have the MIBA contracts yeah. and the MIBA guidelines. Well, the MIBA is really important because it's a, it's a, a set of guidelines, but it's also some assurity for um, the person that's chartering the boat that they're going to get what they paid for. And that's an important part. People want value for money. They want to know that their family's secure, that they're safe. Yeah. And hopefully we've been able to provide that sort of reputation um, with lots of different brokers around the, um, around the world. 
um, including Fraser and IYC and, and some of the other brokers. Is MIBA a generally accepted standard in Australia that definitely. people work with? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and it's, it's there's some um, there's some I guess charter companies that that don't use the MIBA, um, but even if if I had someone that we had used previously on another boat that contacted me and said I want to charter the boat, we would still I would still recommend to them to go through with the MEVA contract. Um, you know that you're going to get you know sort of what you ask for, and you've got some assurity there yeah. as based on that contract. So it's important. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Mm. <laughs> Very important. Because sometimes you know sort of as as much as we try, you know sort of um, sometimes things go astray you want to know that you've got some protection there yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. good good yeah. good last question yes <laughs> if people were to spend only one day in Australia on a super yacht mm -hmm. where should they go Whitsundays Whitsundays the Whitsundays Islands um, uh, and again we uh, uh, I think about the experience that I want to provide someone so um, the Whitsundays has islands um, it's got diving it's got walks it's got five-star resorts. Um, so all of those things means that um, we did a charter um, reasonably recently with a, a group of people from the US and it was the first time that they'd been to the Whitsunday Islands. And they're used to um, chartering in the, in the Med and the Caribbean. Whitsunday Islands is a fairly um, uh, um, busy destination. So the same way that you would have in the, in the Med and the Caribbean, you'd have um, other boats. But you can still go to an island in the Whitsundays where you'll be the only boat. So to have that experience and be able to provide the same service that you would get in the Med and the Caribbean, but be able to provide it on a remote location where there's no one else there and it's you with your family, everything's set up on the beach, you're having dinner or lunch, um, it's pretty nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I can think of one more question though. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Our interview goes on and on. No, so that's, that's fine. Definitely that's fine. okay. Yeah, that is good. Uh, I just, yeah, yeah, I just thought yesterday morning there was a uh, captain's round table. Mm -hmm. you, you were you I was there. You yeah. Was there. And I think various people mentioned the uh, the idea of packaging uh, land-based mm -hmm. experiences yep. in Australia with with charter yachts. I'm going to suggest that we do it already. And the reason why I say that is that, that um, people want to be on the yacht, and that's great. But the thing is that we need to be able to provide um, other activities because they might come to Australia for one time. So if we're in Cairns, and some of them talked about some of the other experiences, being able to go to somewhere like Jabakai Park. You know, Jabakai is in Cairns. It's an indigenous population that have a, an area where they can teach you how to throw a boomerang, be able to f provide some local tucker. You can still do private dinners there with local tucker, okay. um, but done in a modern flair. Um, so all of those experiences, whether it's a land-based excursion like that or going up to um, the Daintree and being able to experience the rainforest, um, we still do that as a package. So when I, um, when I have a, a guest that wants to charter the boat and we have an itinerary, the itinerary that we suggest to start with, depending on what their preferences are, um, will include all of that. So we don't just limit it to um, the boat and the water activities that we have on board, 
will have an, a, a program that we'll talk about. We're going to, in the Sunday, we're going to Lingaman Island and we're going to do the walk up to the peak. Yeah. And that'll be the morning activity. And when you get to the peak, we'll make sure that you get some reward um, so that when you come down, there'll be a awning, a couple of chairs, a bottle of champagne, and you'll be able to celebrate your trip up to the top. It's, it's, it's about those activities and being able to experience um, uh, not only just the boat, but it's about Australia and yeah. it's about um, all of that culture and everything else. Um, I think it's really important. It's, it's when we go to um, the other islands in the Pacific, whether it's Fiji or, or Tahiti or anywhere else, Again, it's those land-based activities. When you go to the village and you get present the kava as the as the guest to the chief, yes, and sit down yeah, and yeah. share some kava, yeah. that's a unique experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what you said. Yeah. So, if, last question was if they could spend one day, what would be a good amount of time to spend here, chartering the yacht? A lot of times, people because we're um, the member agreement and quite often our charter rates are based on a weekly charter uh, price but I think that um, most people instead of doing seven days should do ten or possibly two weeks so I, I normally recommend ten days is a really good time because it enables you to be able to not so much jam everything in you want to be on a holiday and be able to relax at the same time but still be able to experience all of the things that you want to do so I always recommend ten days um, 14 is good. Um, that just, it just gives you that extra um, experience without rushing. Yeah. You are yeah. on a holiday and it's important to remember that sometimes. Okay. <laughs> People should come for 10 to 14 days to have yeah. a really relaxed They'll have a and great a super time. experience. Yep. If they only have one day, they go to the Whitsundays. Go to the Whitsundays. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much for the interview. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Hope you have a great it. day and have lots of Good people on board. I'll so. expect you tomorrow morning to session, share some champagne with us. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the award. <laughs> and then again next week. And again next week. <laughs> Fantastic. I will. Sounds great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.